So I want to introduce you to Buddha Shanti, who's going to speak about uh, rejoicing in merits. When I was thinking of the series and I was thinking of various speakers, Buddha Shanti was one of the first people I thought of. Um, because uh, I've known Buddha Shanti for quite a long time now. I think you came to a, a course that was held at the town hall. Mm, that's right. Mm. We, we did a a series of courses at the town hall many, many years ago now. Quite long ago. It was in 1987. 1987, so mm. uh, over 20 years ago. Yeah. 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 And I remember Buddha Shanti coming on to those, and I remember him very well. Mm. So I've known him for a long time, although I don't know him very well. I haven't got a very intimate friendship with Buddha Shanti, but um, there were a couple of things about Buddha Shanti which really, really stand out. One is his. Uh, culture and refinement. If you, if you ever go to Buddha Shanti's house, you'll see what I mean. Just the, the books that he's got on direct. He's a great music lover, very, very serious about music, and he's got loads and loads of records and CDs, mainly classical, I think. And uh, he really takes them seriously, so he'll listen to a composer. Uh, all their symphonies and all their string quartets. They'll just go through very, very methodically one after another. I don't know if you're the same with literature. With that, do you do the same with literature? Do you follow uh, an author through? Yeah, but it might take a number of years. Yeah. 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 Whereas music, music might take a few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's not only if you go to his house you notice that you ever have a conversation with Buddha Shanti. He is always listening to something or reading something, and he's always got something to say. And that leads me to the next uh, very striking aspect of Buddhist Shanti is his reflection. He's a very, very thoughtful man, very reflective, thinks about a lot of things, and he always has his own thoughts, he always follows through his own thinking. And so those two things combined make him a very interesting uh, dinner companion. If you ever want to have an interesting time, see if you can meet up with Buddha Shanti, because he's always got things to say, he's always coming from somewhere very interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, the third thing I'd like to say about mm-hmm. him, uh, which is he is extremely sensitive, very, very sensitive um, in his thinking, but also in his emotional Really quite delightful, actually. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward mm-hmm. to this. <coughs> <Cool>. Right. <coughs> um, excuse these pieces of paper which I have. Thank you very much, Matt Naguna. It's very, very good to be introduced by you. Um, yes. Well, I was asked a few months ago by uh, Ratnaguna to, uh, to give a talk in this, in this series. And uh, I think there were a number of um, possibilities. And um, I think I chose one and then somebody else had taken that. So I, I chose Rejoicing in Merits um, because uh, well, I do enjoy doing it, you know, Rejoicing in merits of individuals, particular individuals. And um, I find it challenging too, as I want to sort of honest, honestly and truthfully 
um, say something which does express a particular quality of the person. I'm, I'm judging in their merits. And um, so when I do that, it makes me feel a bit exposed too because I'm revealing something of myself, you know, when I... Um, in a situation where I'm rejoicing in somebody's merits. And it's usually a group situation, so there might be, you know, 5, 10, 15 other people there. So I enjoy doing it, and I f- but I find it challenging too, because uh, I reveal something of myself when I, when I do that. Uh, and um, so I've got a mixed response to actual, the actual practice of rejoicing in merits. Um, so it's this sort of a gladness there, and there's an exhilaration when I've done it. You know, I've said something that I, I like to say. And also some uneasiness before I do that, and probably uneasiness afterwards too. So I thought I'd just say that. That's a, that's, I'm not going to say any more about my subjective experience of rejoicing in merits. Um, so I'll just read the verses, because I think it's a good idea to have the verses clear in our minds because I am going to look at a few aspects of them Um, so rejoicing in merits I rejoice with delight in the good done by all beings through which they obtain rest with the end of suffering may those who have suffered be happy I rejoice in the release of beings from the sufferings of the rounds of existence and I rejoice in the nature of the Bodhisattva and the Buddha who are protectors I rejoice in the arising of the will to enlightenment and the teaching, those oceans that bring happiness to all beings. So those are the verses. And um, so whilst reflecting on these verses, um, some thoughts arose which had not come to me before because we read these verses very often and uh, sometimes we don't don't think on them. So... these reflections deepened my, uh, my appreciation and understanding of the importance of, of, um, of rejoicing in merit. So what I'm going to do this evening is just try and convey some of those ideas to you, some of those thoughts to you. Um, yeah, as clearly as I can, I think. So, but first I'll say what are clearly the obvious benefits of rejoicing in merit. Just quickly go through those. Um, like giving attention to the quality of others, uh, I turning one's attention to the positive, to the good. Uh, rejoicing in the qualities turns one's attention outwards towards others, and um, we become a bit less subjective in our in our regarding of others. And the act of rejoicing in merits it brings happiness to the other people. It might bring a bit uneasiness to them too, as well. But um, the sense of being appreciated is really positive. And the act of rejoicing in merit, um, it brings one closer to the Bodhisattva ideal, the way a Bodhisattva would act, noticing the good qualities of other people. And also, rejoicing in merit encourages virtuous good actions, uh, skillful actions, skillful ways of being. So these are some of the obvious qualities and, and benefits of rejoicing in merits. So I thought it's a fairly random list, but looking at the list um, more carefully, I put them into sort of two categories, which fall into some of as- aspects of the actual rejoicing in merits verses. So one is the importance of the actions themselves, the good actions that we're rejoicing in, and the practical consequences that they have for those who do them and for those who benefit from them. So this is the, the, the phrase, 
I rejoice with delight in the good done by all beings. And the other is the context in which these actions are carried out. Um, I rejoice in the release of beings from the sufferings of the rounds of existence. I rejoice in the nature of the Bodhisattva. And I rejoice in the arising of the will to enlightenment. So there we have uh, two broad, broad areas of virtuous practices. Uh, our actions and the actions of others, the things we actually do. And, um, and the nature of the ideal Buddhist, the, the Bodhisattva, and what he or she does. So we've got these two aspects. We've got the actions and then the context in which the actions take place. So the first can, in a way, the, the good actions themselves can lead uh, leaders to um, the the context. You know, the 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 bodhisattva's way of behaving. The actions can, some ways, lead us into the the second, the the ideal. Um, they can lead to spiritual progress and insight, the actions themselves. But it's not as though it's inevitably going to happen. They can do, you know, it's possible that they can do. But the, the nature of the Bodhisattva, the, um, you know, the arising of the will to enlightenment, the actual, um, the, 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 the way the Bodhisattva behaves would habitually lead you to good actions, so they will, um, the spiritual insight, the spiritual progress for, um, would lead you to good actions. So we've got the actions uh, in themselves and then we've got the context of the actions and the context will inevitably lead to the good actions. So I'll say I'm going to, this is going to be the theme of my, um, my, my talk. So I need to say more about this. I'm going to argue that good actions can make... Uh, samsara the mundane world more bearable and bring great benefits to our lives but really to transform the world and to transform ourselves we need we need more than that um, good actions themselves just looked at in in themselves um, are not uh, are not enough and maybe good actions would not survive without some context in which uh, they are practiced so I'm just going to read um, a verse here from a short section from a longer poem by Wordsworth. And he's reflecting on, um, on the suffering of man and also the, the, the good qualities, the good actions which men can do. Uh, but oft in lonely rooms amid the din of towns and cities, I have owed to them in hours of weariness, sensations sweet felt in the blood and felt along the heart, and passing even into my purer mind with tranquil restoration. Feelings, too, of unremembered pleasure, such, perhaps, as have no slight or trivial influence on the best portion of a good man's life. His little nameless, unremembered acts of kindness and of love. So these nameless, unremembered acts of kindness and of love um, are given um, a context in Wordsworth's belief in um, seeing the beauty of nature and 
that deepening one's moral response to the world and actions themselves have real meaning and real feeling and real emotional worth within that context. So, um, yeah. I'm going to give us a number of examples. So, well, why have I read this quotation? Um, We've got the phrase, the best portion of a good man's life. You know, his nameless, unremembered acts of kindness and of love. So this context, um, these acts are really important because they deepen our connection with others. But there's a broader context, and this broader context leads um, to a deepening, and he uses the phrase, uh, at the end of a long passage, we see into the life of things. The phrase is, with an eye made quiet by the power of harmony, and the deep power of joy, we see into the life of things. This could be this is seen as a, a great spiritual insight. So to show um, a little of what I mean, I'll lead you through a little um, sort of thought thought experiment. Um, just considering certain possibilities and what might be the consequence of them. What if we acted you know, kindly and generously from just the impulse when we felt like it? You know, if we just, um, we just relied on having a generous impulse and acting on that, and then when we didn't feel particularly generous, you know, we don't act. So there's, uh, we're acting just because we feel, feel like acting, feel like acting good. That's one point. And what if our kind actions were based just on our own nature, you know, just on our own... Um, character, because some people are quite kindly and sensitive uh, to others, and um, they, they're sort of naturally kind. You know, people are like that, but some people are just irascible and quite selfish, and maybe even cruel. So, good actions would just—if you just look at the good actions themselves—if they just arise on the basis of character, um, well, it could be quite. Um, serendipitous, you know, whether somebody acts kindly to us or whether we, we, we're the, we act ourselves with, with kindness. And we, maybe we just act, if we just act on likes and dislikes, uh, you know, would that be an adequate basis for morality if we're just looking at the actions themselves? So would um, just acting on likes and dislikes be a good way of distinguishing between what is good, what is virtuous, and what is is bad and unvirtuous. And uh, what if our um, good actions were formed by our physical circumstances, you know, the uh, state of society, or uh, what if our good actions were somehow um, formed by the actual physical circumstances. Um, I'm thinking in particularly, I just saw the film recently, The Road. Some of you may be familiar with that. You know, it shows a world where there's been some great natural catastrophe and most people, a huge number of people are dead and there are just a, a few people um, alive and trying to scrape a living as far as they can uh, from what's been left from the world. And in this film, we've got, we've got a father and a son And the father, um, his moral world really, is shrunk to defending himself and his son 
morality is seen in terms of well how he can protect himself and his son and there's no sense in which he goes out to other people um, his, his morality is just incredibly narrow because of the actual physical circumstances in which he finds himself uh, the only sort of source of hope in the film is that the, the boy sometimes uh, sees beyond an immediate need you know he goes out to uh, he goes out to a very old man who's sort of at the seven he's got uh, layers and layers, layers of grunge and dirt and filth so he's not had a bath for you know, for a few years, and the son wants to help him. Um, so there's some hope there that he, he sees a broader context. And there's another episode where a person who's actually stolen their tent, and the father just wants to punish him, but the the son um, doesn't want this man to be punished. He can understand why this man's done this and wants to help him in some way. So he's going beyond the immediate circumstances. So we can see these, um, if we're just looking at the particular actions. So, just thinking that if we just look at the actions themselves without including the context. So the reason we rejoice in merits is that we see that um, there is a context, there's a wider spiritual context um, for actions by which we distinguish between what is good, what is bad, using these various um, terms skillful, unskillful, virtuous or unvirtuous our actions are seen um, within a context of a spiritual ideal you know this is why when we're rejoicing in merit this is what we're, we're doing and other spiritual traditions have, uh, have this idea too like the, for Christians this would be seeing uh, the word the context will be the word of God the example of Christ for example Muslims it will be the word of uh, Allah and and the teachers in in Judaism it will be the word of God and the prophets so other spiritual traditions have their context their spiritual context for what is just to be a good action for Buddhists it's the Dharma and the example of the Buddha and the Arya Sangha and the Bodhisattva ideal um it's the bodhisattva and the bodhisattva's nature which is central to rejoicing in merits. We have that, you know, in the verses. Because central to the bodhisattva's nature is this outgoing action to all, all beings, to help all beings overcome suffering. So I'm not going to say um, anything very much about the other spiritual traditions that I mentioned, except to say that in, their main, in the mainstream of the traditions, kind, generous, selfless, wise actions are seen to be positive. You know, they're, they're very much, their broad tradition is very much in line with uh, the, the general um, co- context of, of um, uh, Buddhist teachings about what is a good and what is uh, not a good action. I found a quotation um, from a Christian um, a Christian monk actually Thomas Akempis which I found uh, quite interesting I've been reading this uh, this text recently and uh, found it very much the flavour of it is very much akin to the Bodhicharya Vatara 
And this is putting the context for, for what might be seen as good actions. I'm just going to read it. Uh, maybe the, the language is a bit old, but without charity, which is love, without charity, the outward work profiteth nothing. But whatever is done out of charity, it is never so little and contemptible. All becomes fruitful. For God regardeth more with how much affection and love a person performs a work than how much he, he actually does. He doeth much who love, loveth much. So he's providing a context of love for the basis of actions. And he said that sometimes that it seems often to be an act of charity that we're doing, but rather it just arises out of our natural affection, our character, um, out of self-will, out of hope of retribution or a hope of looking, uh, looking good. So desire of own, or desire for our own interest. So good actions can have lots of motivations. But he says that the um, that the the true and perfect charity um, just seeketh to see things in the light of the ideal. In this in this case, it's the, it's God. You see see it in the light of, of God. So we have the the context there. So what we need to put our actions in context is, is a vision, a spiritual, a spiritual vision. Um, and a vision which helps us overcome our um, strong tendency to selfishness and subjectivity. And uh, just to be subject to our characteristic, atten- uh, characteristic tendencies, you know, what... what the way we would behave without um, some ideal, some guidelines, some spiritual guide to uh, direct our uh, our desires to maybe change our desires. So I've got these two aspects of rejoicing in merits. There's the uh, the good actions in themselves and rejoicing in them, because with this context of rejoicing in merits, um, we the good actions are leading somewhere. They're, le- they're, they're showing um, some deep goodness within ourselves. So, and good actions in themselves and rejoicing in them, kind, generous actions in themselves can happen in any human situation and they arise out of kindness of character, out of sympathy, out of love. And um, within the context of the Bodhisattva ideal, we rejoice in these sort of flowerings of uh, like flashes and sometimes maybe streams of good actions and um, and because they they show that there's something behind them uh, something which is the source of them you know they're not just um, random acts arising just because we feel like doing it or we we have certain likes and dislikes there's something deeper within them so what is this what is this source? Well, the source is the, the nature of the Bodhisattva and the teaching, and, the, and the, the, the teaching of the Dharma. From the Buddhist point of view, it is uh, this which is the source of good actions. It's the, the nature of the Bodhisattva is the source of good actions. The Bodhisattva wants to alleviate the sufferings of beings in this world because he sees that 
well beings create their own suffering and that we um, and we do not see the consequences of our actions and that we act out of ignorance and that we have a um, we have to a great and even limitless potential for good the Bodhisattva sees this you know the Bodhisattva sees what, what you might call the Buddha potential within us and that this emerges, this emerges occasionally in our actions and so we rejoice in these actions of kindness, generosity and, uh, and wisdom So the Bodhisattva sees clearly the nature of uh, reality. He sees, this, if we use this phrase, um, he sees into the life of things. You might use that, that phrase of Wordsworth. He sees the way things are. And um, the Bodhisattva, in effect, um, he becomes one with the nature of reality. The, the Bodhisattva sees um, the way things are and he acts um, acts in accordance with that. You could say that um, he becomes one with the nature of reality. The, the Bodhisattva's actions uh, always conform to the way things are. You could say in, in the Medha current idiom that the Bodhisattva embodies uh, the nature of the world, of reality, from the, uh, from the Buddhist perspective. So given this way of seeing the Bodhisattva, we can see that all his or her actions will benefit beings. So his beneficial activity, um, it springs up naturally, inevitably from his own nature, and which is the, the true nature of the world. And so um, we can see then that the Bodhisattva, all the Bodhisattva's actions will lead to uh, good consequences. It will lead to good actions. And if we just see these good actions in themselves, they can seem to be quite fleeting, um, short-lived, you know, scarcely making any difference. These are sort of our actions. Uh, when, we, when we as individuals act out of uh, virtue, out of wanting to help others, um, they can seem quite fleeting and short-lived you know we uh, it doesn't seem that we're making a tremendous difference uh, to the world uh, because there's such a huge amount of suffering in the world we might we might think that our small responses to the world our small skillful actions are not making a difference but we need to see them in this perspective of the the bodhisattva's nature Um, if we see them uh, in this way, we can see them as like bursts of light, of flowerings, of explosions, of, of compassion and happiness bursting through sort of this veil of ignorance, you know, of greed, hatred and delusion. And showing that uh, behind that there's a world of love and compassion and generosity and wisdom, which is there all the time. Um, if only we could see it, but we're so veiled uh, by our uh, unskillful responses um, we, we we don't often see it but our good actions in this this uh, spiritual concept are expressions of this uh, this innate goodness of the world the way things are 
So it's a really important perspective. This, this perspective of our spiritual practice, good actions in themselves, will not transform the world. Um, but we need this vision through which we can understand the good actions. And, and through that vision, which um, is the nature of reality, we, we, our good actions have real meaning. The, these fleeting good actions have real meaning. And this vision of the nature of the Bodhisattva provides this meaning. So we can see that even our fleeting actions have real meaning in the world. So this is what rejoicing in merits is about, I think. We're rejoicing both in the, the actions themselves and that they're showing uh, something really um, powerful and good which is there uh, behind them. So arising out of this vision of what good actions show us about the true nature of the world, we see um, the benefits of rejoicing in merits because we are, um, we're strengthening this belief that um, there is an innate power of, of, of good, you know, the bodhisattva's nature, the nature of the world in the world. So that's the uh, the main body of my uh, my my argument for the why rejoicing in merits are so important um, because they they show this 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 Buddhist vision you know to be uh, and the manifestation of this Buddhist vision in individual acts is uh, really to be rejoiced in. So we could just to somewhat just to conclude. Um, there's the recognizing uh, the good qualities of others, and we can do this all the time. We don't have to do it in a, a formal situation where we say we're going to. If somebody's leaving a, a situation, or um, this this is quite often the case for rejoicing in marriage when somebody's leaving. We can do it ourselves. You know, we can uh, we can inwardly rejoice in other people's merits. Uh, we can just be open to other people's merits, even strangers' merits, really, and notice when people are acting well and good. And um, we can also express them to, uh, when we get the opportunity to express them, do it, you know, even though it can be um, quite daunting at first to, to do that. I was on the train just a few days ago and uh, there was a family got on the train, a young woman with three children. And quite often um, when I travel on the train, you know, the, the, the mother might be not speaking, to, uh, telling the child to be quiet, to shut up or not speak to them. And this particular um, young woman, she had three children and a six-year-old girl, three-year-old girl and a little baby. And she was talking to them all the time, you know, and and engaging them in uh, teaching them things and giving them attention. And I felt, well, she was a, a good mother, you know, and I felt this, uh, I was inwardly rejoicing in her merits. And you can often do this, you know, I travel quite a lot on public transport and noticing when people are doing things well can be uh, a really good practice. 
And the final thing was, um, well, try to avoid sort of innate criticism or cynicism. I mean, that can get, get in the way of so many, of recognition of good qualities. So, um, to conclude, I will just read um, passage celebrating the, the qualities of a bodhisattva, just about four verses. It is through his compassionate skill in means for others that he is tied to the world, and that though he has attained the state of a saint, yet he appears to be in the state of an ordinary person. He has gone beyond all that is worldly, yet he has not moved out of the world. In the world he pursues his course for the world's wheel, unstained by worldly taints. As a lotus flower, though it grows in water, is not polluted by the water. So he, though born in the world, is not polluted by worldly dharmas. Like a fire, his mind constantly blazes into good works for others. And at the same time, he always remains merged in the calm of the trances and formless attainments. He knows exactly who is to be educated, how and by what means, whether by his teaching, his physical appearance, his practices or his bearing, without turning towards anything always unobstructed in his wisdom. He goes along in the world of living beings, boundless of space, acting for the wheel of beings. So there we have it, it's the context of rejoicing in merits is the, the context of the Bodhisattva ideal. And through that, we can see the, the great importance of good actions, of good individual actions, virtuous actions. They're like sh lights shining through this veil of ignorance. So that's why we rejoice in merits. Right, thank you. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Mm. I have a question. What, mm? What's the text you read from at the end there? Um, it's from um, Edward Conzer's Buddhist text, you know, Descriptions of a Bodhisattva. Yeah. 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 Um, maybe it's written at the bottom. That's when all my bits of paper uh, get confused here. I've lost it, I'll tell you later. <laughs> oh, that was lines written above Tintin Abbey. Yeah, it's quite a long poem. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that particular text, uh, poem, um, is sort of very interesting from a Buddhist point of view because of the um, this sense, this, there's a sense of meditation in, in the passage too. So through through reflection and meditation, you see uh, things sort of 
the 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 veil. It's, you, he doesn't use these terms, but like the veil of ignorance falls away, and you see these. He talks about the burden of the the burden of the mystery dropping away, and you see into the life of things. Hmm. I just had a question um, on a practical note, really, but Shanti. So I often think that. Um, to suffer from poor self-esteem is, is almost the norm in <coughs> culture. And I think it's possible that most people actually are quite unused to getting praise. Um, so at worst, they might suffer criticism when they make mistakes. And at best, they might just get no feedback on their actions at all. Um, and I personally wonder whether... Um, we have this very, very valuable practice in our tradition, actually, of um, almost just random rejoicing in merits, you know, just, just to give people that occasional boost that, mm. you know, your good actions have been noticed, mm. you, you do have merit, mm. um, regardless of what you might believe of yourself. Mm. I just wondered if you, if you had any thoughts on that. thoughts on the practice or the thoughts on uh, actually rejoicing in people's merits I suppose I just wonder whether I'm sort of alone in that observation and that sort of social observation really yeah just welcome a second opinion yeah well you have two areas of experiences it's say the world of work you know outside um, say the, the Buddhist context you know where people being praised is very rare. You, you, you're often when anything's mentioned, it's when it goes wrong, isn't it? That's how what happens. That's in my experience. And then also praising um, within the um, say within the sangha, and uh, that can be uh, difficult too because people don't accept it. Sometimes you know they don't recognise it and. Uh, and so that that can be a problem. Or you can do it's a practice, really. You have to learn to accept that. Well, so I think from my experience, I began to think, well, maybe I have got these qualities, certain qualities, because uh, it's not just one person says it. Different people at different times say it uh, of me when 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 I'm in the situation of rejoicing in merit. So I learned that well, maybe I do have these qualities, and so uh, I just maybe trusted the, what the other person says you know if they're not just saying it to to butter me up or because they've no reason to do that so it's it's a mutual thing you 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 praise people and the person being praised has to learn in a way to accept it you know that well they they, they do have these good qualities so it's a practice in both ways isn't it i think yeah not just saying, oh, he's just saying that. Because if you think that, it's not, re- it's, it's not recognising what the other person's saying. It's, you know, we try to follow the speech precepts, and so if somebody says that, you think, well, they're speaking the truth from their point of view. So we've got to learn it both ways, I think. That's my reflection. Yeah? Do you think that um, sort of rejoicing yourself, you know, sort of, not the pat on the back on yourself, pat on the back, but perhaps um, to 
Yeah, yeah, that's very good. If you can do that, you know, if you've, you've done something that you're really pleased with, you know, you get sort of a glow from it, you know, just encourage that and uh, go along with that. Because quite often, I may find this in my experience, that I'm quite willing to go along with self-criticism. You know, I didn't do that very well, you know, and that feels more... Um, for some reason, I, I, I think, oh, that, I didn't do that very well, and, you know, I made a mistake there, and why did I say that? Uh, I tend to accept that, but... Um, and then when I get this glow of, of doing something well, I can tend to think, oh, that's just euphoria, you know, you've done it well, but really, it's, you should think, well, I did do that well, and these people were saying uh, that, that, that was done well, and, and, and people are coming back to you. So you should encourage any, any of these good positive feelings towards yourself I think as long as you don't close yourself to you know that you don't want to get too big I suppose <laughs> yeah as, uh, just building um, um, on the practical um, aspects when you're rejoicing in merits um, because um, for example I could say someone was kind or generous um, and just thinking about the helpfulness or the usefulness about well, what does that mean I think it's best to go for specific things, isn't it? Specific things that they've done. You know, not general, you know, if somebody's... So people do kind acts, don't they? It's, it, it's something in particular that they've done. So you, you praise that, you know, the particular thing. Not in general, I think. Yeah. That's what I try to do anyway. That's why it makes it quite difficult, really. Mm. So... Do you have another follow-on? Is that answer? It was, it was um, trying to link that yeah, um, also then to spiritual development. Mm. Um, mm. Sort of chanting, you know, saying about people having um, in our culture mm. uh, quite the experience of low self-esteem, so it is important mm. to to um, support and develop and grow. Mm. Um, and I was wondering how then that links to kind of conventional. Well, I wouldn't say. Um, <coughs> I mean, somebody does a kind action, uh, and you praise that. Well, that is going to have a a kind action is going out, out outside yourself, isn't it? And so there's a spiritual quality in that because it's going beyond yourself. So by praising that, you're going to encourage a spiritual... There's going to be a spiritual dimension to that, isn't there? I think. I wouldn't want to separate spiritual things from actual things that people do, really. Anything else? That's it. All right. Thank you very much for the show. Okay. Um,
is to rejoice in your merits for me. I think you exemplified what I was talking about earlier about the three things the the, uh, culture, reflection, and the sensitivity. Mm. They all came across really very beautifully. All right, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. And I I particularly liked your almost insistence on the fact that a good action comes from. Mm. And it's an expression of reality. Yeah. Mm, right. so I think that's worth bearing in mind when we rejoice in some of these levels. Yeah, yeah. something quite deep, yeah. deeply significant. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Thank you very much. Right, thank you. Oh, thank you for giving me the opportunity to think about it. <laughs> thank you.